Well, this morning we were in the book of Colossians in that third chapter. And if we can turn there right now, we can read uh, verse 11 one more time because that's where our text is. It says, Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Let's bow our heads. Father, we ask thy blessing on our preaching tonight upon a reading of thy word even upon our songs they were wonderful the words are wonderful brother Hale knew what he was talking about talking about being a vile sinner being one out out in the world and then he met the sinner's friend who told him all about himself oh what wonders and wonders even in the very songs that we sing so as we read tonight and as we we preach, we ask thy spirit to be our spiritual leader and the interpreter of the scriptures to our hearts. We pray in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. All right. I don't know how much went on the end of the tape this morning, but... I know we were down to where we would say we were going to read Colossians 3.11 again, and uh, we just did. The, the main thought there is doesn't make any difference what kind of people are in the world, bond or free, uh, Greek or Jew, makes no difference. He said, but Christ is all and in all. In other words, he's everything to the believer, and he's in every believer. Now notice that is if you have put on the new man, which happens to be in verse 10. Verse 10 says, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. When God plants his spirit within a believer, that's called regeneration, that's called being quickened, and that's putting on the new man. And it seems like the Lord gives us credit for doing it we know we have no input whatsoever we are absolutely receivers now or in other words if you have been born again if you've been regenerated the Lord Jesus Christ is called all and in all to all persons that have a true saving interest in him now we are not to understand this as excluding the Holy Spirit or the Father because uh, the Godhead itself is, is uh, precious to us. But when it talks about Christ being all in all, he's one of the persons of the Godhead who has become one of us. And uh, the fact that we are able to see God in the flesh, imagine that. Previous to that, God was absolutely invisible and nobody saw God. I'm sure that the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to a few of the Old Testament uh, fathers or prophets or saints, whatever. Like, I'm sure he, he must have appeared to David sometime. He appeared to Moses. Moses saw the back part of God. He appeared to Joshua. And uh, Joshua stood so firm that whenever I read that story about uh, Joshua meeting the Lord who had a sword drawn 
Joshua was not afraid of anybody or anything. And uh, it, it was an amazing thing. He, Joshua met the Lord Jesus when he appeared in, in a body at that time. So uh, let me see where I am here. Because Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, is the head of the mystical body, and we are one with him. Uh, Ephesians 1, verse 23. Ephesians 1, 23. I'm going to read 22 also. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. So that's us. We are called the body of Christ, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. The head dictates or leads the body, but the body is very very important to the head or it wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be a, a unit it's all mysterious it really is for God to deal with any sinner and to uh, open their eyes to the things in God's word it seems so common to you and me to read the Bible to look at these things and to believe them but <laughs> You and I know. Most people don't. Most people don't even know what's in here. We've gone through book after book and uh, year after year reading through the scriptures and we still don't understand an awful lot of things. But God's word is precious. And uh, these things that we read, his body, the church, us, what part of the body are we? The, the, the little toe or the toenail? I don't know. Not much of anything. The people that went on before us, so many were martyred, so many were killed, so many gave their whole lives. You know, we, we don't do much of anything. In fact, when I print a book, I, I, I say, Lord, I, I, this is my work. This is the very best I can do is bring bring some of these old good sermons from the good old Puritans so that people can read it. It's much better than my preaching. It's much better than, uh, than anything I know of is to put good material into people's hands. And of course, if a person is kind of special or shows a real good interest, I just give them a Bible. I've given away who knows how many Bibles. I have never sold a Bible. Now these Bibles cost us about $25 a piece with a big time discount. They, if you were to try to get them in a store, they would be at least $35. But anybody that is willing to take a Bible and read it or be interested, I'll give them the Bible. Because I just feel that you can't, you'll never get to heaven without a Bible or without knowing something from the Bible or in the Bible. But uh, 
that's uh, that's just me saying that but our Lord says search the scriptures it's the same scriptures people have been searching all of their life and all the denominations and that's another strange thing the denominations all became a denomination because they differed from somebody else's viewpoint and so up pops up you know Presbyterian uh, Unitarian uh, Episcopalian and there come Methodists there come Baptists there come Anti-Baptists all of them disagree on something they most of them agreed on the Lord Jesus Christ of course the Unitarians never did but uh now they've all kind of melted into the same puddle of butter. They they don't have much of anything to offer people. They all are in perfect agreement about free will. That all man has to do is make a decision. All he's got to do is say, well, I do believe uh, nothing about being lost, nothing about the nature they have or the heart they have. And if they're honest, they would admit or they would repent but people don't want to be honest about themselves because they feel they're not that bad just not bad enough for anybody to go to hell and strangely enough well when you read some of these Old Testament stories how God's anger just boiled against the unbelievers in Israel and time and time and time again he he chastised them, made them prisoners, made somebody else come in and take them prisoners, ruined the land, took it away from them, time and time and time again. But yet he always restored because they were part of the family. You see, they get punished because they're in the family. The other nations, a lot of them are just let go. Some of them, I'm, I'm thinking about the other nations like Syria when uh, they, they during Hezekiah's time and they were they were all surrounding Jerusalem and was going to take it and were making fun of uh, Hezekiah's God and uh, the Lord just finally had enough this is the destroying angel the angel of God killed a hundred and eighty five thousand soldiers in one night a hundred and eight we're not even close to that in all these wars we've been in for the last ten years a hundred and eighty five thousand think is that a hundred and eighty five thousand widows back in Syria and children without a father just say that's an awful lot of bloodshed is that they, they weren't believers if a person's not a believer they're going to go to hell and uh, it doesn't make any difference when it is with God but he has it all planned he has it all known out ahead of time but that's just one of the things I know there when David numbered the, the, the people in Israel the punishment went to the people in the nation I think it was what 70 70,000 three score and ten thousand people died of the plague uh, the Lord doesn't hold his hand back when it comes to judgment but people don't know this God 
people with their bumper stickers smile, God loves you. God doesn't love an unbeliever. And if they're not an elect soul, God's wrath has been upon them since the moment they were born. And that's another thing people don't want to hear. Little babies born, little innocent, cute little babies. Yeah, they're born with a nature that's going to fight God, going to not care anything about them, not going to be... Well, if, if they weren't taught by somebody who knew the scriptures, they would never come to a knowledge of God or care anything about him. And then you would send them to school, and what would they get? Evolution. They would get no God, no creation. It would be drummed into their head uh, year after year, year after year, year after year, until they have no idea about the Lord Jesus Christ being the creator, and all things were created by him and for him. And then in Romans 8, when it says, we are going to be joint heirs with Christ, and everything was created for him, and he's going to share in creation with believers, with uh, simple, sinful people like you and I, absolutely amazing. So John Newton wrote Amazing Grace. He had a good song there. Amazing Grace, how sweet sound. It really is. Well, let's see where we are here. Our Lord Jesus Christ being one of us, this is his place to be all in all to those united to him by saving faith. Let's have a little look at Hebrews 2, verse 10 and 11. Hebrews 2, 10 and 11. For it became him, for whom are all things, see, it, <laughs> When it, our scripture was Christ is all in all. And every verse practically that we've been reading has to do with he's all about everything. For whom are all things? And by whom are all things? So there it is. He created all things and he created them. They were created for him. And bringing many sons into glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. The Lord Jesus Christ set himself apart and we were set apart in him. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Why? Because that's how close we are. He's a human being, so are we. But he is God also and that is something we are not. We are sinners. But we're called part of the bride of Christ, part of his body. It's from the power of the divine nature in Christ that he is all in all to his people. The reason being the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily in a human nature as part of the person. All power of the Godhead dwells in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Colossians 2, verse 9. For in him, 
dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So the Lord Jesus Christ has a body. He took on a body of flesh like we have. He is called our elder brother. But he has all the power power of God, which has to do with creation, which has to do with power, which has to do with judgment, which has to do with anything. Anything possible with God is possible with the Lord Jesus Christ. He has that power of the Godhead bodily. He has still has his body. Wow, is that ever amazing. Well, in what manner is Christ all in all to his people? Well, first of all, by way of merit. Whatsoever they are, whatsoever they have, whatsoever they do or can expect is only upon the account of Christ's purchase and merit. Because he has done and suffered for them and in their place, therefore do they partake of those blessings which made them happy to all eternity. 1 Corinthians one thirty. I know you know what that says. It has to do with what we, what God has made Christ for us. 1 Corinthians one thirty. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus. Believers are said to be in him. Who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. All of those things God sees in us because we're in Christ. He has made our wisdom. That means we're wise too. We have the wisdom of the scriptures given to us. The righteousness of Christ is imputed to the believer. That's by him keeping the law perfectly every moment of his life. He earned a perfect righteousness as a human. So being a human also, he can give it to whosoever he pleases because he is God also. But he only gives it to those the Father gave him. Sanctification set apart. God does this partially by giving us a guardian angel. We have angels that watch over us, that set us aside, that keep us from harm, keep us from dying, I guess, keep us from, he, he doesn't keep us completely from sinning, but he may have a big influence, I'm not sure. And then, of course, redemption, he's paid our sin debt, bought us back from the slave market of sin. Christ bestows upon us, and God is pleased to accept for us the merit of Christ's passion, death, obedience, and righteousness. Now we said uh, what manner is Christ all in all? Well, number two, by way of Christ being the way of communication. Look at John 14 and verse 6. John 14, 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So he is the only means of communication for the sinner to get to God, for the sinner to get to the Father. He is not only the fountain, but the stream, or the conduit through whom all a believer has that's, that is uh, conveyed to him. That's what is meant by Christ being the root, and believers the branches. Uh, we have that in John 15 and verse 5. Turn one page to your right. I am the vine, ye are the branches. And he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. But without me ye can do nothing. God has put all the good he intends to bestow upon his elect into Christ's hands. Uh, Colossians 2.19 Colossians 2.19 And not and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands have nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God. We must hold the head because he's all in all. He's our strength, he's our righteousness, our sanctification, our redemption. He's everything to the believer and we must hold to the head. And now, we know a little bit better than that. We know the head has to hold us, or there'd be no holding on at all. Christ is the hand of God to us, but he's also called the door. And you and I know from John 10, it's called the uh, sheep chapter. Uh, he's called the door into the sheepfold. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ is the new man in the life of the sinner. He it is that works all in all in his saints. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 6. 1 Corinthians 12, 6. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. Our Lord tells us the same thing in John 15:5, that without him we can do nothing. The soul is the principle of all action in man, and Jesus Christ is the principle of all motion and spiritual action in his saints. For he is the soul of their soul. Every good desire, every good thought is inspired by Jesus Christ. Look at Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. A sinner never forgets about Christ loving him, about the Father loving him from eternity and selecting him, choosing him to be one that Christ would die for. Uh, amazing, amazing plan of salvation. 
Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The very thought that we have of trying to be a follower of Christ, of trying to do good, of trying to think well, those very thoughts are given to us by God himself. It's God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I'm sure the good pleasure of God toward the sinner is he says, come on to me. All ye that labor, if you seek me with your whole heart, you'll find me. Search the scriptures. So we need uh, the will of God and uh, his power in us to even do that. But we can thank him for giving us those scriptures and giving us those instructions. Christ is all in all to his people virtually. He is instead of all things to them. What is living here on earth made up of? Meat, drink, clothes, house, property. All these may be bought with money. And that's why Solomon says, Money answereth all things. Does it say that? Well, look at Ecclesiastes 10, verse 19. Ecclesiastes 10, 19 I'll give you the page number on that because it's kind of stuck in between here. 10 and verse 19 is on page 1020. Page 1020, Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 19. A feast is made for laughter, and wine maketh merry, but money answereth all things. It's kind of interesting. But what if you lack some of life's luxuries? Christ to the believer makes up for what we lack. In Scripture, Christ is compared to all things, to food, to clothing, to medicine, to gold, to health. And because he stands for all these things to the souls of his saints, that's called substitution by imputation. What are we talking about? We'll look at 1 John 3, verse 2. 1 John 3 and verse 2. Imputation, substitution. Well, what does John call us here in verse 2? Page 1800. He says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. How did we get like that? Through imputation. We are written in God's book of life since God has put his spirit within us quickened us regenerated us we're changed he says now we're the sons of God well do you feel no you don't feel it really but we know it because we're believers in his son the Lord Jesus Christ and it doth not yet appear what we shall be well come on John you could have told us a little bit more (laughs) you could have said well what about Moses and Elijah what kind of bodies no he don't go into anything like that 
Yeah, he says, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Why is that? Because we're going to have a glorious body like unto his body. That's the day of resurrection. And he has to come and give and get us, give us these new bodies before we ever come back with him when he shall appear. When he means when he shall appear in the world. When our Lord comes to the heavens, to the sky, we meet him in the air. Don't say how far, how any distances, whatever. But once again, it's going to be something that we can't quite get through our minds because the day that Christ comes on the day of resurrection to give all believers a new body, it's going to take place all around the world. Now it's going to be daylight in some parts and, and midnight in other parts. But it's all going to happen at the same time. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be night here. Who knows? The only thing I can say is just wait until it happens. And then we will understand a lot better. Oh, goodness. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Why? For we shall see him as he is. When our Lord raises our bodies to be with him, we'll never be out of his sight. We won't want to. And so it says we shall see him as he is. And when we see him, we know he's a very glorious person, a very glorious sight. In fact, now, Christ is all in all by making all things abound to their blessing. Where is that? We'll look at Romans 8, verse 28. Romans 8, 28. It speaks about all things. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Who loves who first? Well, how could we love God if he hadn't called us to himself first and showed us his love to us? You see, to be called of God is a blessing above blessings in this life for God to awaken a sinner to call that sinner to himself is probably the second greatest thing that ever happens to an individual the first greatest thing is having Christ revealed to your heart is yours but it's a process it doesn't happen overnight a person don't repent overnight uh, I, um, I don't know why I'm thinking differently. Anything can happen overnight, but I'm going to say it usually doesn't because the Holy Spirit takes his time in convicting or convincing a sinner of sin, righteousness, and judgment. They don't immediately say, well, that's me, I'm guilty, I know I know a person's going to stand off and fight a little bit. But God doesn't drag anybody. God draws them with cords of love. 
And uh, even though the sinner thinks it's the hardest thing in the world, being isolated, being picked on, being made fun of, being all of that is absolutely worth every second. When you compare it to eternity, being with Christ and being blessed, or being cast into hell to suffer for your sin. All right. Through Christ, all good things are a blessing to us. Without his blessing, health would be our greatest sickness. Wealth would be our ruin. Talents and abilities would be a snare. And that is if Christ did not sanctify them to us. All the good that saints enjoy depends upon Christ's blessings to make them good to them. One old Puritan in prison, when they brought him bread and water, gave thanks for the food and said, How blessed I am to have Christ and bread and water too. What you lack in this life, you only lack for a short season compared to the fullness of joy throughout eternity. Let's look at Romans 8, 18. Romans 8, verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now, is that a good note to close with? How wonderful to know that no matter what situation we run into in this life, how terrible it can be, how awful, how in debt you could go. It doesn't make any difference. It's not going to last forever. But being with Christ, the blessings will. Temptations, sufferings will take place in the life of a believer because God wills that. He wills that so that faith can be built called a trial of your faith being much more precious than even gold faith being tried God says it's a blessing you know we're, <laughs> we're always learning no matter how old you get you're going to be tried and you're going to see that God's hand is in it no matter how bad it appears to be to you let me read it one more time. I reckon that the suffering of this present time, sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. There's a day coming when we have our new bodies. We're with the Lord Jesus Christ and we won't even remember any of this that's going on in the world right now. I read you this scripture, I think, last week that said there will be no remembrance of these former things. God says, I'm going to make a new heaven and a new earth, and God's people are going to enjoy it. Let's bow our heads. Father, again, we thank you and praise you for thy word. We went to quite a few scriptures tonight, and they're wonderful. They all tie in together. And so many of them spoke about being all in all. And our Lord Jesus Christ is exactly that, 
to every poor believer. He's their riches. He's their hope. He's our hope for this life and for life to come. He is just everything that a believer could possibly want. We pray for those who can't be with us. We pray for those that are sick, need healing. We have several families that are in medical straits, and we ask you to be their companion, be their friend in need, take away the thoughts of their minds that trouble them. May they understand that tribulations and trials are nothing compared to the joy and glory that a saint will have in eternity. We pray this all in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.